Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Most of us are used to politicians lying to us. Not all of them, of course, but the problem does seem to be getting worse. Uh, and not just in you know, Washington, D.C. And, and, and blue states. We seem to have this going on even in red states today. So today on the Liberty Cafe, Michael Quinn Sullivan joins me to examine this phenomenon and discuss if there's something that we can do about it and um, make things better. Thank you for joining me today on the Liberty Cafe. This is Bill Peacock, and as always, I'm blessed to have you here with me. And we're also blessed to have, as a sponsor of the Liberty Cafe, Texas Scorecard. It's a great group of men and women fighting for liberty and fighting against oppression and, and helping inform us as citizens what we can do to, to fight for our liberty and overcome much of the uh, opposition we see both inside and outside of government here in Texas, but really just about anywhere we go. So please go over to texasscorecard.com and see what you can do to help in the battle for liberty. Well, speaking of Texas Scorecard, uh, today we've got Michael Quinn Sullivan joining us. He is the publisher of Texas Scorecard and has been in the political realm for a long, long time. He worked for Ron Paul up in Congress, came back to Texas, was at the Texas Public Policy Foundation for a while, and then went off on this great venture to uh, to bring the, 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 the news of liberty and to out to the masses, the public, and first started with trying to get sense into the Texas, you know, fiscal sanity in the Texas budget. There's still a little bit more work to do on that, but but we're making progress. And now he's a publisher of Texas Scorecard, and uh, has his own podcast on Texas Scorecard, and uh, is actually becoming quite a prolific author. And so, anyway, would you please uh, welcome Texas uh, to uh, the Liberty Cafe, Michael Quinn Sullivan. Welcome, Michael. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me with you. I appreciate it. Sure. It's good to have you here. Well, you know, I was reading your um, Friday Reflection. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about, about you and Texas Scorecard is you know, you're not afraid to bring the Bible, Scripture, God's Word, into the discussion of the public square. I think that's something we need a lot more of these days. And so you were you were specifically in there. You were talking about the seventh amendment, and the I mean seventh commandment and the tenth commandment: right? "Thou shall not steal, thou thou shall not covet." Right? And you were um, uh, talking about those in the context of property rights. So I was wondering if you could just kind of talk to us about you know why why are you focused on property rights right now? Why are they important? And what's going on in the Texas legislature right now that you would be bringing all these things up? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think for many of us, we have allowed ourselves to get away from the, the correct understanding of property rights, of the, of the importance of property rights, of how fundamental property rights are to, uh, to us as individuals, and, and particularly in terms of the way God views us and our relationships with each other. I mean, I think it's, it, first, it's, it's important to recognize that God owns all of creation. First and foremost, God owns creation. That means he owns Michael and he owns Bill. God owns the, the dirt we walk on and the most distant star we can see. It is all God's. But God has then given us temporal 
um, ownership and therefore responsibility for things. Um, and that and, and that as soon as we start breaking away from the idea of ownership, of, of, of my ownership of these things, I also break away from my responsibility for things, which is when I start breaking away from my responsibility, all of civil society, the kind of society that God built for us, the way he designed us to operate in community where we have relationships those things start breaking away too. Um, so, so property rights is fundamental to who we are, not only um, in our relationship with each other, but our relationship with God. Because if it, you know, if I can look at God and say, God, yeah, it's really that that plot of land wasn't mine, so it's not my responsibility that it was well steward. You know, one God's going to say. Who do you think you are talking to me that way? Um, two, um, you know, it 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 kind of betrays this the sense that, um, uh, that 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 me and God are equals, right? Where I can choose what I do not, and God says, no, no, Michael, you have responsibility for these things. You own these things, um, and and you see this sense of responsibility. You see this um, now the, how fundamental I would argue property rights are to our um, our relationship with God and with each other. In uh, embedded in the Ten Commandments, you know, the top ten, the the the, the things that if, if you know no else, um, the Ten Commandments kind of are something a universal thing we understand. The first of which, of course, being don't steal, um, which which in some ways, Bill, is easy because it just means, you know, I don't walk over and, you know, grab your bicycle and walk away with it, right? That, you know, okay, that's, it's kind of like murder. As long as I, as long as I don't, don't kill you, I'm doing good, right? But, but, but all of the commandments also have to be understood in their obverse. So not only am I commanded not to murder someone, I, that, that means I'm also required to to celebrate life, to to make sure when I see someone bleeding on the side of the road that I offer them aid and assistance, and I try to you know, try to preserve their life. In the same way, when it says "don't steal and don't covet," that means one. That means I must own something, and and if don't covet, also means you own something, and I need to help protect your the things you own and not do unethical things to take them. Which all of that is a very long-winded way. You asked me a horribly open-ended question. Shame on you, Bill. <laughs> um, you know, all of those two. The pro- why I'm writing about these, writing about this now, is because of the debate in the Texas legislature about property taxes. Um, property taxes um, say that fundamentally the government owns your land. Um, if you don't believe, if you live in Texas and, and you think you own your land and the government doesn't own your land, then don't pay your property tax bill next year. I mean, I'm not going to do that, but try that experiment. Don't pay your property tax bill and see how long it takes before some very pleasant gentleman from the county with a nine millimeter or a 45 on his hip walks up to the front door and nicely asks you to get off of his property. You know, congratulations. You know, that's ownership. Um, and, and and right now, our property tax scheme makes each one of us renters. And if we're renters on our property, again, that changes our view and our sense of community and our sense of responsibility. Yeah, yeah that, that certainly makes sense. And it's the problem we are facing in, in Texas today. And, and, and that kind of brings up, for me, uh, another question. Uh, uh, Commandment, right? I'd kind of like to introduce the eighth commandment into this conversation now, and that's you not shall not bear false witness right. against your neighbor, right? And, and so, in addition, I think to 
kind of like you were talking about, in addition to slander and libel and gossip were pointed towards our neighbor, there's a, there's a general prohibition in that against lying. Right. And so putting that into the property tax uh, context, it, it seems to me that so in 2006 and 2015 and 2019 and 2021, uh, we, we've been told by the Texas legislature that they're going to give us property tax relief. And and I don't know if you've been paying very close attention to your property tax bills over that period of time, but. I haven't personally experienced much relief, and I don't think much many Texans have. The property tax levy continues to go up and up and up and up. And, you know, the, the, the fact that my property tax bill went up slightly slower than it would have otherwise really doesn't count to relief to me. And so at, at some point in time, you, you have to think, okay, they've been telling us about relief. At, at some point in time, you have to think, well, they're... they're good intentions at some point are being replaced by an understanding that it's really not going to offer relief, but they continue to tell us that anyway. And so it moves at some point from good intentions to lying from my perspective. And so I'd first just like to ask you the questions, why do you think politicians like to lie to people? <laughs> Probably the same reason the rest of us do. It's 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 actually easier than doing what you promise. It's it it's easier to lie um, than it is to actually deliver on the commitments made. And I think that's you know um, the, the the reason I would I would suggest that politicians um, do it and do it with such a plum and do it so regularly is because we allow it. Um, we keep rewarding. Look when if a car dealer says to me, Mr. Sullivan, I have got this beautiful car. It gets, you know, 60 miles to the gallon. It you know, drives like a dream. Um, it, it, it's only going to cost you a thousand bucks. I'm going good deal, good deal. I give them the thousand bucks and I walk back and find out it's actually a mule with three legs that I've just bought. Um, you know, well, maybe I should have looked and asked a few more questions, but one thing's for certain, I'm never doing business with that guy again. <laughs> He's lied to me, right? Um, and yet in politics, Bill, we have folks uh, who run for office constantly selling us on beautiful cars that make great gas mileage, that look fantastic, that will make our hair grow back and will look younger when we drive them and everything else. And then they don't deliver. And then we keep voting for them. We, we keep rehiring them. Um, we, we've created a very bad feedback loop. You know, what, what you reward, you get more of. And what we, ha what we as the voters, what we as citizens um, have done for the last 25, 30 years uh, in Texas, 20 years specifically, specifically on property tax, that's 20 years, we have rewarded being lied to. When the Republicans run, they have been running for at least 20 years by saying, we're the guys who are going to reduce your property tax burden. Not a single one of them has a bumper sticker that says, I will make your property tax burden less ha heavy than the Democrats would have. They never, they never campaign like that. It's always, I'm going to reduce your property tax burden. Our property tax burden doesn't, doesn't get reduced, and yet we keep voting for them. And so, you know, we have to own our responsibility as citizens for having not, um, not corrected them uh, in, the, in, the, in the way, in the manner that we can uh, by voting against them for the lies. And it's really interesting that you bring that up about Republicans, because, you know, as conservatives, we're used to Democrats lying to us. Right. I mean, it just kind of baffles the mind. For instance, you know, here, here's a quote. Let me tell me if you think you, you know who said this. 
We must work to advance the rights that we cherish so deeply here at home, the freedom of the press, expression, assembling religion, respect for the rule of law, and freedom for political persecution. Any idea who said that? No, I don't Nancy know. Pelosi. Right? <laughs> you know, and, and, of course, and of course, we've seen all the stuff about, you know, you know, for, for years, uh, you know, Hillary and all the rest of them have been trying to blame Republicans for election interference when they're the ones who've been doing it. And, and so they, they seem to have this model of line that, um, you know, they basically say all the they basically say that we're doing all the bad stuff that they're doing and they're doing all the good stuff that we're doing, or at least trying to do and stuff like that. And so we're used to that, but with the Republicans, it's a little bit different, right? And, and it's, it's, you know, pretty interesting how that has taken place. You know, I think, you know, and, and a lot of your listeners know that a lot of this started referring to when uh, the Democrats essentially installed a, a Republican in, in the Texas House as a speaker. Right. And, and that you know started back in 2007. And it's essentially been the same ever since. So we've kind of got this Democratic Republican power base over in the over in the House. Um, but but now we're, we're used to even the Texas House doing that. But now that it seems to be shifting over to the Texas Senate and, and I don't want to get too far in the numbers here, but, you know, we're, we're in the middle of this property tax relief battle. We want property tax relief. You know, property taxes continue to go up and citizens are clamoring for it. And so Greg Abbott promised us that we would he would use part of this 32 billion. It's actually closer to 60 billion dollars if you look at it. But 32 billion dollar current budget surplus to provide the largest tax cut, property tax cut in Texas history. And so if you look at where that started from, it was 14 billion dollars back in 2006 is when the legislature spent that much money. You put you put uh, inflation on there, it's about $20 billion today. But they're not doing the inflation. They're just doing the $14 billion. And so they're all running around. The Texas House is telling us that their plan will give us $17 billion in property tax relief. The Senate is telling us that they'll get $16.5 billion of property tax relief to us. And so that's more than $14 billion, and now they're already claiming that here we are, we've presented you the largest tax property tax cut in Texas history. But there's a little problem with that, is, is what they're doing is they're taking about five-plus billion dollars from the property tax relief that they passed in 2019. I mean, that was, you know, that was four years ago, folks. And they're counting that $5 billion into their property tax relief today. So there were not really at 17, 16 billion dollars, they're closer to 11 billion dollars. And 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 so it just kind of baffles the mind that that and these numbers aren't even disputed. It's not that complicated despite what they tell us. So it kind of baffles the mind that they just they can't come out and speak clearly about how much property tax relief they're actually giving us. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, look, um, you know, I, I'm not going to admit that I've done this, but let's just say that you're a husband who has uh, promised that as a as an anniversary gift for your uh, wife, you're going to give her a trip somewhere. Oh, but then, you know, things happen and the trip doesn't happen that year and everyone is, it's, it's okay. And so the next year of the anniversary, hey, I'm going to give you the trip this year. You know, 
you know, you, you make that last three or four years in a row and you're, you're you know, you're, you're quite the big spender because you, you've promised to give a trip four years in a row, but you've never actually gone on the trip, right? Um, <laughs> and then finally in the fifth year, you go on the trip, right? Um, yeah, that, that's kind of what this feels like is, um, is you know, d- double counting a gift of counting a gift uh, backwards of, you know, promising a gift and not delivering a gift, all of which is really dishonest. And, and, and I think that a lot of it, um, you know, yeah, I, I certainly don't want to accuse uh, Dan Patrick or Senator Bob Hall or Senator Lois Colcorst or any of those folks of, of being intentionally lying. But I do think that we have a system in place um, that kind of rewards and, and in, in many ways incentivizes um, the, the double counting of tax relief of the, of the kind of the playing fast and loose uh, with numbers. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, we have a weird budgetary system in Texas um, that, that, that in many ways, again, incentivizes um, that sort of behavior. Um, and you know, and it, it, it's the, it's the blame someone else problem of our tax system where we, um, the state of Texas likes to say, oh, property taxes are local uh, taxes. They're not set by the state, but of course, um, nothing, uh, all cities, all counties, all school, uh, school boards, those are all creations of the state. They, they can only do what the state allows them. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of the distinction without a difference. Um, so in order to do tax relief, they have to count it as spending. And now they get to fall back on the relying of, oh, well, gosh, you know, if we, if we do too much tax relief, that's against the spending limits, you know, things they don't pay attention to. And in the other circumstance, they suddenly pay attention to when it comes to tax relief. Since it, it, all of your readers by now, their eyes have crossed and smoke is coming out of their ears because none of what I said makes sense. And that's exactly the point. We have a system that is bizarre and insane, and it's jiggered to work against the taxpayer. And, and honestly, it is designed to work against even a right-thinking, um, wants-to-deliver legislator. It, it is a system that you and I and all of our fellow Texans have allowed um, to, to grow and blossom like some hideous weed taking over our yard. And, and, and at some point, we all have to be the grown-ups and say, enough is enough. Stop it. <laughs> Let's fix this. But until we do, um, you know, we, you know, we, we have all the problems mentioned previously about uh, rewarding uh, politicians for, uh, for you know, speaking pablum into our ears without actually delivering on results. Um, and until we as citizens say, I'm not, I'm not going to be satisfied with half measures. I'm not going to be satisfied uh, with my ears being tickled um, by your, you know, by your pleasing words and even numbered years. I want the substance to be delivered in the odd numbered legislative years. Yeah. I think your point is, is very well taken that there's just so much confusion out there and, and it is complicated in one sense, and we, we do have to be careful about labeling individual folks as liars in, in this situation. Yet yeah, th- there's there's just so much dissembling on on this thing going across the legislature. They're they're all in lockstep. You, you hear this these numbers from the from the House and the Senate and from the you know the Lieutenant Governor and the Governor and the Speaker and the 
chairman of Senate Finance and the chairman of House Appropriations and Ways and Means. I mean, they, they all are sticking with it. And so it, it's, you know, they, they've got to be trying to hide something going on. And, and I've got this uh, audio here for this is during a committee hearing, Senate Finance Committee hearing between uh, Senator Joan Huffman, who's the chair of Senate Finance, and Senator Paul Betancourt, who's a longtime champion for property tax relief and has done, you know, a lot of really good things for our state. Yet when you when you listen to this audio, it it makes you kind of wonder why why they're doing this now. It it, it kind of baffles the mind. And so let's just listen to this real quickly. It is new compression. Is that right? right? Yeah. Look, it's it's complicated. But right. It's complicated, but yeah. it's a misnomer. We've had some people talk about old versus new. That's not the issue. And that's how I try to answer all of this, because uh, because people, the, without understanding the complexity of the budget, um, people don't realize that we have to pay for this biennium after biennium. Right. So so when you when you listen to them talk, I mean, it becomes pretty clear that they're trying to make it sound very complicated and it's so complicated that we can't really understand it. So you just have to trust them that this $5 billion that they promised us three or four years ago is somehow new property tax relief. And, and, and it, again, I don't know if they don't think we're bright enough to understand it, or maybe it's just like you, like you pointed to before is that, We've just continued to to listen to them and let them do the same thing over and over and over again. And they kind of feel immune to uh, any kind of uh, retaliation from us out here in the in the public. Well, that was the first half of my conversation with Michael Quinn Sullivan on why politicians can't tell us the truth, particularly as we think about the Texas budget and property taxes. We'll be back next week to finish the conversation on the Liberty Cafe. And thank you all for joining us this week and listening into this. And thanks again to our sponsor, Texas Scorecard. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate the show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.